everyone, and welcome to That Wellness Podcast with Natalie Deering. I'm sitting here today with Allison Blythe. Allison is a certified life coach and licensed clinical social worker. She has over 30 years of experience with education, equipping, and empowering her clients by building success from the inside out, digging deep into their longstanding patterns, beliefs, and behaviors that no longer serve them. During her years of practice, Allison has worked with thousands of people offering both individual and group counseling and coaching, life coaching courses, workshops, seminars, online courses, public speaking engagements, and amidst all of that has also recently written two books titled Misunderstood, Rewriting the Rules of Dignity and Self-Respect, and The Enlightened Empath. Allison is also trained in nonviolent communication and offers the course called The Art of Effective Communication, which is designed to deepen self-awareness and offer a simple three-step tool for self-awareness and communication. However, again, amidst all of these amazing things that she's doing when she's not in the office or at the computer creating, you can find her out in nature or on a yoga mat. Welcome, Allison, to the podcast. Hi, Natalie. Thanks so much for that introduction. That that's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. <laughs> Whenever I'm, you know, yeah, like taking that in and introducing someone with all of this experience and just amazing creative feats that you've done, uh, parts of me are always just like, wow, that is how do you how have you fit all of that? <laughs> You know, what I realized truly is that I was absolutely put on the face of the earth to do this work. I just know it. And so I would love to claim all of this wonderful stuff about me when in reality, I just think it's just such a life purpose. And so, yeah, it's been a lot, but I've been at it for a really long time too. When I hear that number 30 years, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, I started when I was five. (laughs) Yeah, I've been 35. Right. Plus a few, <laughs> plus a few years, give or take, you know, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that that's, I can imagine surreal hearing that back. And we were talking before, you know, you, we hit record earlier and it sounds like now you're in a point where you're inviting some more spaciousness. Um, yeah, I'm learning how to rest. I am mm-hmm. a very strong doer. Uh, and I, I'm learning about parts of me that produce and function and do all kinds of stuff. And then I'm learning, getting really familiar with this part of me that loves to rest and be at ease. It's not, it's a little bit more of a stranger to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I imagine I, that makes a lot of sense, especially if, you know, those parts of you that have been helping to maybe drive and create and all of that. Those are beautiful parts. And I, I'm I'm kind of like, I guess, assuming when you hit a certain point, maybe in your career and your life, you start to feel again, more of that kind of like spaciousness of like, okay, yes, I've created all these things and I'm passionate about it. And I've loved it. And it's okay now for maybe those parts to kind of just settle a little bit and rest. 
Yes, the doer inside of me is very, very strong. And so, yeah, a lot of stuff has surfaced as I'm just making room to to be at ease. Uh, It's been quite a journey to learn how to do be in this chapter of my life and all the old messages coming up of how important it is to do, do, do. And now Mm. I'm like, uh, B, B, B. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It's beautiful. Good. And so we met each other through the empowering her event in Cincinnati, Ohio. I was, yeah, it was so great. That was a really cool day for listeners who don't know. It was an event with, oh my gosh. I mean, it was like tons of, tons of people. And I was one of the, the featured speakers there. And I talked about IFS and specifically getting awareness and connection with an inner critic part within our system. Cause I feel like we all probably can relate to having an inner critic within us and you attended my talk and introduced yourself. And I really appreciated that because I love meeting people within this wellness world and you had dabbled in some IFS. Is that correct? Teeny tiny. I had been doing it before I knew what I was doing. And so when you put a framework around it and you had asked some of the questions about the critic, I was like, first of all, I was on the receiving end. I was not trying to, to so much learn as I was trying to experience the work of what you were providing. And it just ignited inside of me. And so the, you put terms and a frame of reference around what I had actually been doing long before I knew it. So then I have just oh my gosh, I dove in. As soon as I knew the name for it, I was in. Yeah, that's so cool. I love just how innate this is for, I think, all of us as humans, this idea that we're aware, even on an unconscious level, but we use the language of parts already, even if- All the time. All the time, right? Like, oh, a part of me wants to go to the pool today. Another part of me is saying no to work on this project, you know? And it's like, that. that's it. True. That's it. And so, yeah, I loved you sharing that with me of how you were like, I've already been engaging in this type of awareness and helping people turn towards these parts of themselves through these different courses that you've created. And so, yeah, I'm excited to get into our conversation today for the listeners to hear more about nonviolent communication because I, I personally don't have a lot of experience with, like, I haven't attended a training. I haven't attended a workshop on it. I've heard about it, of course. But yeah, I'm excited to to dive into this with you today. Me too. Okay. So let's start with what is nonviolent communication or also, because I know sometimes you'll use the acronym of like NVC. Correct. Yeah. NVC. Okay nonviolent communication. I was introduced, I was trying to understand just how long ago, I think it was probably about 20 years ago. I signed up for a local Cincinnati training. Honestly, it was affordable and it was a ton of CEUs, continuing education units. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to go for the weekend. And very much like when I attended your workshop, something just ignited inside of me. I was listening to the speaker talk about NBC, nonviolent communication, introducing these steps and talking about the creator, Marshall Rosenberg, um, who really developed this 
so long ago and really dedicated his entire life to understanding what is it that connects people and what happens that the people start to go to war, sometimes literally go to war with each other. And he developed this language of nonviolent communication. And as I was attending the training, very much like when I sat in your workshop, I was like, this is brilliant. This, I, this man is introducing me to something core needs that drive human behavior. And from there, just like I have with IFS, I just dove in and kind of uh, committed to learning so much more about nonviolent communication. And I think we're going to talk specifically about some of the steps, but the creator is Marshall Rosenberg. He passed away several years ago, but really did dedicate his life to understanding what it is core needs that drive humans. Okay. So core needs that drive humans and then how to, and I'm just throwing this out there and you correct me, please. So identifying core needs that drive humans and then addressing or bringing awareness to how we are communicating. Is it about like literally like communicating with another person or is it more about, yeah, like understanding ourselves? Yes, that's what it's about. So is if it's okay, I'll go into the three steps. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, and I'll be honest that Marshall actually identifies four steps. I'm I'm kind of moved this over the course of time to kind of my own work. He talks about four steps, observation, feelings, needs, and strategies. I've I've kind of squashed a little bit with the observations, just because I think when people start to tune in to what their emotional cues are. So feelings are, is where I start everyone. What are the core feelings and actual feelings like sadness, hurt, disappointment, anger, confusion, like feelings are really your indication that something's going on inside. Just like if we get a physical pain, we're like, Ooh, what, what is that? It's an indication that something is going on within the body. Well, so are emotions. And so you use the feelings and start to have actual feelings language, not language like disrespected, abandoned, rejected, right? Because that's about other people. Mm. What are your core feelings? And so when I can help educate people a little bit more on actual feelings language, hurt, confused, worried, happy, excited, love, uh, those types of, then that gives you some information about your core needs. And this is what I mean, that to to understand that core needs drive all human behavior. Every single thing we do in this world is attached to trying to meet a need. Right. Everything we do. And I try to keep people away from absolutes. You know, I really caution on using always, nevers, all, none. But it is fair to say that everything we do is an attempt to meet some kind of need inside of us. Okay. So needs like mattering, connection, belonging, information, challenge, growth, safety, like core needs that people actually have. And then the third part of NBC. So we've got feelings, needs, and then the third part are strategies. What are the ways that you're going about your life trying to get those needs met? Mm -hmm. What are you doing? And so communication is only one strategy you know, I might have the need for fun. I don't need to communicate that necessarily. I might need to communicate a plan, but that, that can be, I can go have fun by going out for a walk, blowing bubbles, going to a pool, right? Like, so it's always the strategy of communication, 
but it certainly is one element of it. So we've got feelings, needs, and strategies. Those are the main three steps of nonviolent communication. Okay. So if we were to break it down a little bit deeper in each of those steps, the first step being feelings, but also observation, right? So it's basically like observation of the feelings. Correct. Yeah. Like what's going on? Like what's, what's happening in my world or in my experience that's triggering some of these emotions. Someone is late. Someone called, someone didn't call. So what, what emotions are alive inside of me in this moment? Okay. So yeah, it's bringing awareness, bringing observation, what is happening within me right now. And I heard you say also even like physical sensations, right? So just bringing it. And that's the same case with like IFS is we would turn inside meaning within ourselves and bring awareness to how, or like, yeah, what's present right now, literally within me. Is there a physical sensation within my body or around my body or on my body that I'm noticing? Is there a feeling of, you know, again, that could be a little, like a literal, like physical sensation in the body, but it could also be an emotion, right? Like you were saying like, oh, sadness is present or anger is present. And so it's bringing conscious awareness to what is happening in that moment. And I, you know, as I was like kind of looking at your information and we were going through the outline of what we're going to talk about, you know, one thing that I had written down next to feelings was there are no bad feelings, right? That's totally correct. Okay. Cause that's the belief in IFS too, is that there are no bad parts. All parts have positive intention. They're there for some sort of reason. And so just like with this nonviolent communication, it is the belief that there are no bad feelings. Feelings are cues. They're just indicators that something's going on. And if you have maybe in our society, what might be labeled as a bad feeling, I would maybe call it a a hard feeling or kind of an uncomfortable feeling. So anger, hurt, confusion, those types of things. That's probably an indicator that some core needs are not being met, right? You're probably not feeling angry when things are really hunky-dory and you've got all your needs met. And so if there is an emotion that's more challenging for you, chances are it's tied to a core need that's not, that's not being met for some reason. Okay. So feelings are simply cues and indicators, not right or wrong. Correct. Yeah. I agree with that. Just kind of the idea that sometimes people will be like, oh, but even rage is just an indication that something, maybe it's fairness, maybe it's safety. It's a cue that a need's not being met. Okay. So a cue that a need is not being met, but you have to bring awareness to what is there first in order to then get deeper. Correct. Okay. It actually gives the language I have, and I'd be happy to, to get it to you or to any of the listeners. I have what I refer to as a feelings and needs menu where I actually give people a list of actual mm. feelings language because we're not well-versed in that. And then I, you, when you flip it over, it's kind of the opposite side. What are the core needs? Because a lot of times people, I'll ask them, what do you need? And they're like, 
I have no idea. Yeah. This frame of reference to actually have a, a guide, so to speak, of what your needs really are. People often don't know how to name it. And I compare it to, it's like going to the fridge and not knowing what you're hungry for. You're often just kind of like nibbling at things and, and you're trying to fill some kind of need or some kind of void, but you don't know how to actually identify what it is. This feelings needs menu gives you a tangible way to actually, it's like looking at a, a menu, right? At the yeah. restaurant. Oh, okay. Let me hone in on this category of what the need might be. Yeah. I like that. I think that that, yeah, helps bring some clarity to otherwise might be, you know, a confusing moment of maybe if the person's really blended with that rage, that anger, that they could turn towards that menu and that could help bring some spaciousness and some softening between, uh, you know, their consciousness and that anger to be able to then see, oh, okay, maybe it's connected to this need of, like you said, connection. I'm not feeling connected to this person or I'm not feeling respected. Yeah. It's Marshall talked about the fact that, um, feelings or I'm sorry, needs are not tied to any person, place or thing. And what I mean by that is a lot of times we'll say, I need him to do that. I need her to stop that. And that's not, that is not the need. The need is for connection, information, belonging, whatever it might be, but it's not, we don't need him or her to, to do this or not do that. And that's right. the language that we often get into. I, it, it, that is not needs language. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. And in IFS, the way that we ask parts of us about their needs is there's a question you can ask in this way of ask the part what does it need from you in order to soften in that energy that it's in? And I make a point to make that clear. It's not what do you need in general? Because again, yeah, I think that's where people can get into, oh, well, I need my partner to do blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, okay, what does this part need from you? And that I think is a powerful way of wording it because that's going to help bring again, like, that clarity, that understanding of what is what is needed and what you can provide and also what is deeper maybe in there that the whole reason of why that part maybe is getting triggered in the first place. I completely agree with that, which is why I think these two run so parallel. They they really do work off of each other because I, I can, and we can talk about this now or in a couple of minutes, but I often find that parts get activated because there's a core need attached. Right. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. And sometimes people will say like, I don't, I don't know where this is coming from. Well, now we have a frame of reference when, when people understand the need to be heard, the need for inclusion, you mm -hmm. know, it's like those yeah. things really ignite certain parts when those needs aren't met. Yes, exactly. And in IFS, it would be, I guess, this understanding that maybe that core need was not met a, a younger part of us from our maybe childhood adolescence wasn't getting that core need met, whatever that was. And maybe then was kind of, um, burdened with, and it could be a burdened belief of like, I am worthless or I am not enough. It could be a burdened feeling like shame, you know, which is, I am a bad person. Uh, it can be all the, it can be physical sensations. It can be all of these different things that are attached to 
let's say a moment in time where let's say a caregiver didn't uh, provide a need, right? Maybe it was the caregiver was shaming the child for something that they did or didn't do. Well, that's not giving, providing the need of compassion, love, understanding, uh, yeah, feeling understood. And so, yeah, I can definitely see the connection to IFS and NBC. And the other thing I had written down was in regards to nonviolent communication in general, that it's a non-pathologizing way of understanding how and why our parts are even there. Without a doubt. It's often, that's where I think strategies come in is the people are often working against themselves because they don't know what the core need is. And just a perfect example that I use all the time is someone who is screaming in order to be heard, right? You can start to wreck. It's such a corny to, I need to be heard. And that understanding, I think we can all relate to that and kind of even feel that into our body a little bit. And when that doesn't happen, the the fury, again, the rage, the hurt, the confusion, the desperation that starts to happen. And someone will go into the strategy of screaming, raising their voice, getting really animated with things, and they start to work against themselves. And so it's not to pathologize anyone. It's to help them back up a little bit to recognize what is the need and what might be a more effective strategy to actually get that need met. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so looking at needs again, so the, the, the person has been able to observe, bring awareness to what are the feelings present within them, let's say in a given moment. And then second step, of noticing the needs, like as you were saying, needs drive all human behavior and the basic human needs. You listed off some of them earlier. Is there like a list? Like, is yeah, there like an, the a, yeah, that's, that's the menu. Yeah, that's okay. The menu. And how many and are there? I think that's, uh, that's a good question. I don't know as I've ever counted. There's really a list, like there's columns of divided into categories. And I'm happy to share any of this with however people want to get their hands on it. Um, I'm happy to share all of it. There's specific categories. And then it kind of specifies a little bit more, probably a lot like parts. There might be like one main one, and then there's little pieces that break off of that. That's how needs are too. And so there's so many different categories of them. Um, I have never, counted, but that's a really good question, which is why I think people are often really confused about their own behavior, or they are kind of, like I said, going to the fridge, kind of doing, 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 nibbling, nibbling, trying to figure out doing all of these different things, smoking, drinking, texting, shopping, buying in order to kind of meet some type of core need that they're not conscious of with this list. What ends up happening is that as I sit with people and try to really help them identify where the need is, I would imagine very much like parts people start to like, when you hit on the need, it's like, Oh my gosh. Yes. That's, that's it. That's the need that I have. And so until people really do have the language or the menu to be able to understand what the core needs are, they're often just kind of shooting in the dark with the things that they're saying and the ways that they're trying to relate. Right. And can you recall any of the categories just off the the top of your head, the categories of needs? I think one of the main ones is connection. Um, Also, there's one that is about um, communication. And so there's different types of, there's just all so many different types. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, you're making me really think to, in terms of, I think that there's one that's about play. So if you think about needs don't have to be really deep. It could be very simple. I think there's a category of just play where there's mm. fun, laughter and ease. Uh, freedom is another one, a, a sense of autonomy. You know, kids go through different, different developmental stages of autonomy, wanting a level of freedom and independence. That's definitely one of the categories. And if you think about where parts might develop, and, you know, somebody really has the strong need for freedom and independence, autonomy, mm -hmm. personal challenge, and a parent is, is really uh, dictating or punishing when a child is at that developmental stage, right? Like it can really start to develop parts in order for them to try to just cope with such a, an environment. Connection Absolutely. is a huge category connection. And I think that there are numerous ones under connection, even a, a category like meaning spirituality, personal challenge, contribution, a sense of competence, right? There's just so many different, that's why the language is so important with understanding the needs. If you, when people are just beginning, I encourage them to just start with the larger categories. So someone would probably be able to tell the difference if they are wanting to, if they have a need for play versus the need for connection, it's going to feel different in their body. Mm -hmm. And so from there, once they identify the greater category, then they can start to kind of go through the specific list and go, no, it's, it's actually this need for acceptance and appreciation. Okay. Yeah. The whole play thing I think is interesting because I think that's probably a category I'm assuming. I know parts of me, as you said, that were kind of like, oh, that's interesting. And I'm sure other people are probably like, oh, that's interesting that play mm -hmm. is a need category, but it makes perfect sense because again, the the work that I've done with my own parts work and with my IFS therapist, the therapy that I do every day with my clients and IFS, so oftentimes when they are connecting with let's say an exiled part that has been burdened with, you know, again, like the belief or feeling or whatever it might be. And it was connected to, like you were saying, a caregiver that maybe was shaming them when they were in that playful, you know, energy when they were young, you know, then it makes sense that then a protector part might have been given this job or role within them to be like, we can't do that. It's not safe to do that. I'm not allowed to do that in terms of being playful, having fun, you know, Which and might then be it, part of why I'm, I'm so challenged too right now with this role of, of kind of this freedom and this ease of the season that I'm in, because when it comes to more, the, the other needs that are being met, the fun side of me is, has been pretty dormant for a very long time. I don't know where that came from, but really that role of learning to, to function and to be, and to contribute or to do not to be, um, to contribute all the time to be in work mode. So yes, the, the fun categories actually very, very real. And the other, one of the main categories is really just about physical well-being and thinking about parts that develop when our physical well-being, the need for comfort, for connection, mm -hmm. safety, right? The tenderness and touch. If in any way that was compromised or uh, misused, misrepresented for any children or later in life, you start to see the parts that develop because of that. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Right. Because again, when we're children, we're very vulnerable and we're relying on our caregivers for safety and care and love. And 
if our caregivers aren't able to be accessing their self-energy based on their own traumas and their own burdens, right, then that's why, yeah, these protector parts have to do what they do in order to help if there is a lack, if there is a need for safety, but that wasn't being met, then it makes sense that there would be a part within someone that maybe always seeks control. Yes. That's maybe like a controlling part. Mm -hmm. And for the person, they may not have this conscious awareness that it's connected to that, that need of safety that maybe wasn't being met in their childhood. And you could see where people wouldn't necessarily be able to put those pieces together. And then when you get this IFS lens and VC lens, you can actually put it together very easily. Mm -hmm. I think about one of the main categories of integrity, you know, integrity is a, and under the, underneath that umbrella would be things like self-respect, self-worth, authenticity. You know, I, I know for me, I can't really have a relationship even in, in friendship, that's just superficial. Like I, there has to be, I have this need for authenticity. Presence is part of that. Like I want, I want to be present with people as they're talking, not just at work, but even in my personal life. And so realizing that these are, I love uh, what Marshall did with being able to identify. We went through generations where needs were about survival. That was it. Food, air, shelter, and water. That's it. If you've got it, all your needs are met. And what he helped really introduce is that needs are about mind, body, and spirit needs mm-hmm. cross every single category. And so to think that a child or adults, right, it's not just children that need play. Absolutely. Adults need it too, or that only adults need autonomy. Absolutely. Children need it too. Marshall talks about the idea that uh, needs are mind, body, spirit, but they're also universal and ongoing that if you're two or 92, chances are these needs are alive and awake inside of you in some capacity. Yes, absolutely. And that's what I, what, that's what I've witnessed within myself and within my clients is once they start to bring connection and relationship with these parts of them and having that understanding of the need that maybe wasn't being met in the past and how it's impacted them in the present and throughout their life, then once there is this release of that burdened energy, burdened belief, whatever it might be, feeling I personally, in my own personal work, feel myself then just drawing or being drawn towards different things like playfulness, for example. As I've done this work within myself, I feel way more open and connected to like going to the playground with my three-year-old son and like I get on the swings with him because that feels okay to me. That feels like I can connect with that playfulness that has been there always, but maybe parts of me had been pushing that down because of protective mechanisms and things in that way. But like you're saying, we all have that as adults too, no matter, like you said, if we're two or 92. Yeah. Understanding that needs don't go away. And one of the ones that I see inside of this all the time is the need for attention. I tell a story a lot where I was working with a woman and I was, I'm very well-versed in needs language. And I was talking to her about her need for attention. And as I drew it to her attention, when I, I made note of that to her, it was almost as though I had slapped her across the face. When I said, it sounds like you really have the need for attention. 
she was so embarrassed and so ashamed that she said at my age, how could that possibly be my need? And I just, I mean, I have chills as we talk about it because, and again, maybe a part of her or just this overcasting thing of like, I should never have, I I'm too old to have that need. And we don't, I mean, we need attention. We need to be seen. Mm -hmm. We need to be heard to be known. These are all core needs that drive all human behavior, but she was doing these things honestly, to get the need for attention and then feeling deep, deep shame as we actually were able to shine light on the core need. Right. And in IFS, we would say, oh, well, that sounds like another part that's shaming this one. That's really, you know, that's shaming this need. So let's get to know the part that's shaming it, right? Yeah. Because we want to understand why is this part maybe fearful of that need being met or uh, you know, all of that connected to it. So yeah, it makes so much sense. That third step of, of strategies, you help tune people in to more effective or healthy ways, because once she was able to own and feel more comfortable with that need for attention, she was able to be very deliberate about how she tried to meet that need. Yeah. And so I just had this vision in my mind of, let's say we're using the example of this person that has you know, the core need of having attention and, and all of that, whatever that is deep, more deeply connected to, right. And, and I don't know, but I'm assuming then let's say in order to cope with that lack of having a, the attention that there were then parts within her that were kind of given this role of, okay, well then this is what we got to do to get attention. Right. And and I'm assuming, again, I don't know this person, but let's just use it as an example, that there could be parts that get into these roles that then are striving to get that attention, but it's coming from a burden place. So then it might be having a negative impact, though, overall, right? It might be like annoying people or... um I don't know, maybe even putting the person themselves in maybe potentially dangerous situations because they're, they're those parts are really striving again to get that attention, to get that attention. And that again, it has positive intention, but maybe having a negative impact because it's coming from a burdened place. And then these, then this other part within is shaming those other ones that are trying so hard to get the attention, but, the, but they're having a negative impact. Without a doubt, it, it's kind of this people often are just riddled with this shame and confusion. And, and I think that to put both lens, both NVC and IFS together to help them see kind of what, where the parts are, what needs they're trying to meet, the behaviors they're trying to use in order to meet the needs, it really does just come together so beautifully. Yeah. And so going into the strategies, step three under that I have yeah ways we've learned to meet our core needs which you mentioned have they can be both healthy and productive versus destructive and sabotaging correct so I long before I knew about IFS like I said that I was running a life coaching course called radical self-care and I was having them name parts we were actually sitting at the the table it's a live course where people were actually coming into the office and a woman started to, to just draw. And as she was drawing, she identified this part as slutty Sue. Mm. And what she was noticing is how 
desperately. She wanted connection, belonging to be seen, and she was using really promiscuous behavior in order to get those needs met. And again, she had such, she had had affairs and different types of things and behaviors that she was doing that she just felt such shame about. And we, so we were doing IFS before I knew that's what it was. And, and she was able to identify slutty Sue, another woman identified mad Marge and just this rage filled part of her that was just so controlling and dictating and even abusive at times that mm -hmm. she too had so much shame about this because she was the most, she was the teeniest little woman and she was just very polite and very, very sweet. But it was, she would talk oftentimes about like, I don't, I don't know what's happening. I don't know who I am when this stuff happens. And so she was able to identify mad Marge and how that the idea of the core needs that were driving her her to escalate into these types of, of roles that she was playing mm -hmm. and so much confusion. So yeah, all of those parts were happening years, years before I even knew what it was. Yeah. Right. And that, again, it just shows me how innate all this is. It's like, it's, it's already there within us as humans in this way. Mm -hmm. And in like NVC and IFS and all of that are just these beautiful resources of helping people bring more connection and clarity to these parts within them, like Mad Marge and yes. Slutty Sue, you know, <laughs> and instead of being, you know, blended with them all the time, and then like having that confusion and chaos within because then there's parts that don't like oh. Mad Marge and Slutty Sue and all of that, mm -hmm. then it's like, if we can turn towards it, and bring awareness to it as a part of us, then it helps that I feel like access more of that self energy of compassion. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because once she was able to see, once Slotty Sue was able to see, and it wasn't far off from uh, Mad March, too, the core needs for love and in intimacy. It, and again, the backwards way that she was trying to meet them, the confusion of why she could never find the right person and all, all of these, why her grandkids, why Mad March's grandkids were scared of her. Right. It was yeah. Like, yeah. And so it did create so much shame and confusion. And then when you do start to help them hold space and, and make room for those parts with curiosity and compassion, again, I didn't, I didn't know that that was the hand, the tools to hand them, um, but just very naturally kind of curiosity and compassion of allowing these parts to, to surface and identify the way that they've used behaviors in order to meet. I, I always say that nobody goes to a trash can to eat uh, intentionally. They do things because they feel like that's the only resource that they have available. It's the only thing they know how to, how to do. And once you kind of help them see other ways to meet the needs, it's like, oh my goodness. And then this part start to, to settle or get the needs met in such healthier ways. And that's my next question is once you've identified these ways, uh, these strategies or parts, as we would say, of trying to, of the person, you know, these parts within the person trying to meet these core needs, but maybe they're having a negative impact overall. What do you do to help the person then once they've identified, let's say these parts and these strategies that they've been doing? What's, what's the step then with that? So much of it is just self-awareness. Um, in Misunderstood, the book I wrote, I talk about the SOS, the sense of self toolbox and self-awareness is one of the main tools that I encourage people to use is when you have this, when you understand parts language and you understand feelings, needs, and strategies, you've got this 
empowered way to be so deliberate about how you're showing up in your life. And then one of the other SOS tools is self-responsibility. You know, when you know better, you do better. And if you are working against yourself, can you start self-honoring? That's another tool. Can you start honoring yourself with some changed behavior? So compassion allows, curiosity and compassion allows people to just shift the lens they can let go of, of that judgment and, and scrutiny that they've had for so long, because now they just have a deeper level of self-awareness and self-responsibility to, to mm-hmm. just change behavior. Now, I'm not saying that happens overnight, that happens really smoothly or easily, but they are very much more. That's why my mission is educate, equip, and empower, because once people have these tools and information, they do know how to do things differently and then feel empowered to do so. Yes. Yeah. So having that self-awareness of the parts that are there in general, these strategies that they've been using to help try and meet these core needs, I'm assuming probably on bringing awareness to the impact that it's been having. And then with that awareness, just having, again, some of that spaciousness to be able to not just be hijacked with those parts energies all the time, but to bring awareness to them. And then with that awareness, helps bring more of an opportunity of a choice of yeah. what to do as opposed to a reaction. Yeah. That they become much. That's why I say build success from the inside out, because it really is about being so consciously in tune to what's activated on the inside so that they can be very deliberate about what they're doing, why they're doing, who they're doing it with. You're just alive and awake and alert at the own wheel, at the wheel of your own life. Mm, yeah. And that's so powerful. That's yeah. empowering. And, and so what are some fun and creative ways to get to know these strategies, parts, however you want to word that. This is such a playground for me. I, I have been just having a blast. I was listening to your, I think it was one of your last podcasts where you actually had Dick on and I, he talked about the idea that it really, this lens helps therapists enjoy going to work. I've always enjoyed going to work, but I am telling you like Monday morning, I'm like, I get to go to work. <laughs> like, this, I, this IFS is just like, it helps people. Um, I think have a lot of fun with these parts. Therapy can often be grueling and, and playful. So radical self-care is one of the classes that I, I teach. It is, uh, I have done it in person. I have not done it online. So it's more for local clients, but in radical self-care, one of the main uh, sections of that class is helping people identify. I talk about who's on their board. Uh, What are, what are the parts of you that really do get to have a say and some control in your life? And so I've, I've created this boardroom exercise for people like what seat at the table do they have and what's their role. And so the boardroom has been a really fun, creative way to do that. I also, I do have them identify uh, personalities. And so things like yeah, like one of my sides is like big Al, you know, like mm-hmm. she is whoo, that, that girl, you know, she's, she's a force to be reckoned with. So, uh, slutty Sue, like different types of people, like where they actually begin to have a little bit of a playful, creative way that they start to recognize and see what gets activated inside of themselves. And then I encourage people to have a notebook. 
whether that's a really big notebook or just a little piece of paper, um, artist notebooks, I love so that people can have the spaciousness and the creativity to explore. And then I just have them write, I call it clustering. I have them write that name in the, so Big Al would have be in the middle of the page and then words like fierce, determined, protective, like to just cluster spider web might be another way that people know that so that you can familiarize yourself with the identity and really get to spend some time. Part of curiosity is really just investigating and being open and receptive. And so this, this notebook stuff that people are really doing is they're naming these parts of themselves and really just spending time with some curiosity and some compassion, some deep love and understanding of the ways that these parts have served themselves. Mm-hmm. It, it has just been absolutely fantastic. And again, men, women, couples are doing a lot of this work together to see how they often get kind of activated with, with each other. Um, it has been a thrill to help people understand. So that's a lot of the ways that I add the creativity and the playfulness of getting them to know some of the parts. I love it. I I love that so much. And I personally have found that to be so helpful for me to get to know my parts better through drawing, coloring, using Play-Doh, you know, molds, molds of different kinds. And yeah, like that can just help bring so much more awareness and and building a relationship with these different parts of us. And so I love what you're describing with encouraging people to have a notebook or uh, something that they can draw and then also write the words, the adjectives that are connected to Big Al and Mad Marge and all of that. I love it. (laughs) I love it. And so so life is hard and daunting. Like this work does not have to be. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. It's playful. And that's something that I've always taken away from uh, my level two training in IFS. I was trained by Dick Schwartz and Martha Sweezy. And Martha said something like, this is play. Mm -hmm. And I loved that. Like she was like, if you can look at this as play and getting to know these parts of ourselves in a playful, curious way, then yeah, she's like, you're going to have fun. You're going to enjoy yourself. So I I totally agree with that. And so before we end today, what are some of the services that you are currently providing in your business that the listeners need to know about? So I, so many, (laughs) I do individual and group. Uh, I don't do group therapy, but I do group coaching. So individual coaching, I do marital work, group coaching, individual coaching. I also offer Mindful Matters, which is a monthly online. Once a month, I've developed these, what I refer to as just power packed coaching lessons. And as a matter of fact, I have one of those available that's called Conscious Conversation. And it is this work. It's identifying the three parts and we'll spend some time going through and really educating people and people can have access to that feelings, needs menu. Mindful Matters is really just a way for people to kind of get a shot in the arm of coaching and really being deliberate about what changes they want to make based on whatever the topic is. Um, We've talked about commodities, time, energy, and effort, kind of that power of stuff around your home and how deliberate you are about the things in your home. So Mindful Matters happens once a month. I'm doing a retreat in September, all about boundaries. It's really like a boundary boot camp, like getting people in the deep dive, um, 
good form of setting boundaries, effective communication with how they're delivering their messages. So that's happening at the end of September here locally in Northern Kentucky. And I have done a podcast, The Alley Effect, Authentically Living Life Your Way. That's available online. I have written both of the books, which um, Misunderstood is really about this commodities, boundaries, and decision-making. It really is about helping people understand where their time, energy, and effort are going, ways that they've been kind of working against themselves, maybe a lot of misunderstanding of how they're going about relating to people, over-functioning, and defining boundaries, getting really clear. And then as I started to clear up a lot of my own inner work, realizing the empathic wiring that I had, so the empowered empath developed, uh, that kind of came very, very quickly. And that was released in the beginning of this year. So the empowered empath is another resource for people. So no matter where you are, if you're a listener, the podcast is available. If you want to meet with me in person, you can absolutely do that online stuff. And then certainly the books too. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's why I need some rest. <laughs> it's been great. It's so good. Yeah, no, it's so beautiful. I mean, just right. Like when these things just start flowing out of you, oh. like you said, the, the empath book, like just kind of yeah. came out of you. It was time to, yeah. So I will put all of those links in the show notes and your website is, can you show your website? Yep. Allisonblythe.com. And I spell okay. a little differently. A-L-L-Y-S-O-N-B-L-Y-T-H-E. Yep. Allisonblythe.com. All the info and access is, is there. Okay. Perfect. Yep. I will put all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much, Allison, for joining me today and talking about this. This has been really fun. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the time. And just thanks for the opportunity to spend some time with you. Of course we can do this again as many times as you want because <laughs> you're a joy to joy to sit with and talk to. So thank Thanks. you so much. All right. You take care. All right, everyone. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.